So for our series of the ADC's competition talk with leading experts, we have today Julie Bon, uh, Director of Economics at the UK Competition and Markets Authority. Julie has held a position since January 2014, having led the economic analysis on many high-profile market investigations, including the CMA's retail banking uh, market investigation, as well as some recent merger cases like the preeminent Tesco Booker uh, and uh, Ladbrokes coral mergers. Julie has a PhD in economics from the European University Institute Florence and was previously Assistant Director of Economics at the UK Competition Commission. Julie, welcome to the ADC. It's a pleasure to have you here and to have the opportunity to do this conquest with you, actually on a topic that is uh, very relevant uh, for the ADC uh, uh, currently. So, Julie, let's start with the retail banking market investigation, which the CMA started back in 2014 and has kept it busy up to this day as the remedies package is implemented. What was the situation back then in the UK retail banking sector from a competition policy, innovation and consumer satisfaction perspective? Well, um, first of all, thank you for welcoming here, me here. It's an honor and um, a pleasure. So as you said, we started this investigation into retail banking in November 2014 in the backdrop of the financial crisis. Um, competition concerns in retail banking were not new. There had been several reviews of the banking sector, which had, which had raised concerns over competition in banking, including the Cruikshank Review in 2000 and the Independent Commission on Banking, chaired by Sir John Vickers in 2011, to name a few. Now, the scope of our investigation was actually narrower than all of retail banking. We looked at competition in personal current accounts, business current accounts, and SME loans. So what was the situation? Well, not a picture of dynamism. We found that the big four banks in Great Britain and Northern Ireland had sustained large and stable market shares. So they accounted for about 70% of the market and um, had lost less than 5% share collectively in the previous 10 years. There had been new entrants in the banking sector, um, but these were struggling to gain customers and grow. Switching rates were very low, about 3% of business and um, personal customers switch accounts per year. And we found that many SMEs go directly to their personal current account provider for their business account. And then there's very little shopping around by SMEs for loans, which basically mean, means that there's a strong linkage between personal current account, business current account, and SME loans. So a strong incumbency advantage for the bank that holds the personal current account. We also found that there were particular problems in relation to overdraft charges with very little competitive pressure on these. Um, there were many reasons for this, but amongst others, um, Customers, there was a tendency by customers to underestimate their overdraft usage, and also there were particular difficulties for heavy overdraft users to switch banks. In terms of customer satisfaction, which was one of your questions, surveys actually showed relatively high levels of satisfaction and trust by customers in their own bank, but very little trust in other banks. We also found that banks that provided higher quality service, higher levels of satisfaction, and lower prices did not necessarily gain market share. So this indicated to us that competition was not working effectively in banking. 
Our diagnostic was that this was principally due to barriers to customers accessing and assessing information, and generally low levels of customer engagement with banking due, amongst others, to a perception that not, there's not much to be gained from shopping around. So overall, our finding was that established banks did not have to work hard enough for their customers and that they benefited from incumbency advantages due to their large existing customer base. Indeed, Julie, uh, concentration and incumbency advantages in banking uh, are, are um, an issue uh, in 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 many countries and Portugal is not not an exception to that respect and certain switching costs are also an issue um, and and for example we had in in, in mid 2000 an, an intervention um, because early repayment fees for mortgages uh, loans was quite uh, was quite high and there was very little switching of consumers for mortgages. Um, and once a cap was introduced uh, in the early repayment fee for these mortgages, uh, to which uh, actually the ADC contributed with a with a positive opinion on 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 restricting the amount of uh, the early repayment fees that banks were were charging, actually, uh, as a result, the switching improved uh, uh, substantially. I, uh, if I well recall, it uh, uh, doubled in 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 the year following the. The cap, so so clearly, uh, switching costs um, might prevent uh, consumers from from benefiting from from uh, stronger competition and better alternatives uh, from competing uh, banks. Now, um, the CMA uh, delivered the policy package under the ban the banner "Making uh, Banks Work Harder for You." Uh, which is quite catchy, I would say. Um, and among the many measures included in the final report, in your opinion, what were the most important ones in, in making uh, banks compete uh, more fiercely? So we had quite a comprehensive package of interconnected remedies to address the problems we found, which were many. The main aim of our remedies package was to empower consumers and SMEs with the tools to allow them to make good choices when considering banking arrangements and to open up opportunities for new business models to shake up the traditional banks. Now, I don't want to go into too much detail into our remedies package, but I thought I'd just give you a quick overview, I suppose, of the main elements of our remedies. So we had three cross-cutting remedies. Um, this is open banking, the development of service quality indicators and the development of customer prompts for switching. And then we had a range of remedies which were targeted at particular problem areas. So me measures to facilitate switching, measures targeted at overdraft users, um, including an obligation on banks to send alerts to customers before they go on overdraft, and uh, an obligation on banks to set a maximum cumulative charge that overdraft users can um, incur in any one month. And then targeted measures for SMEs, including measures to help development of SME comparison tools and a loan price and eligibility, eligibility indicator. Um, of all these remedies, I mean, they all work together um, to uh, promote competition, but the key remedy, which is at the heart of our package, is open banking. Uh, this is the remedy that uh, hopefully will allow new business models to um, shake up the traditional banks. 
did a very thorough uh, work and a, a great uh, summary of what is a, a huge uh, remedy package uh, with a lot of detail, I have to say. Given that there were so many measures uh, uh, that were implemented or are being implemented uh, by, the, by the CMA, and given the aim of promoting competition and, inf and switching in particular, uh, do you plan or do you, do you think it would be worth having some a kind of ex post assessment of the impact of those remedies uh, after a given time span of their application? Absolutely. I think that's really important to monitor the impact of our remedies. Uh, we actually do this on a regular basis when we impose remedies and we surely will do it on banking, looking at indicators such as switching rates, possibly monitoring the monthly maximum charge on overdraft, etc. Well, let's now move to the, the topical issue of fintech. <laughs> Indeed, the new payment service director, directive, the so-called uh, PSD2, and the European Commission's action plan on fintech have put financial technology on the policy spotlight for 2018. And this is also an issue that... that Uh, concerns the competition authority quite a lot and uh, we are um, very aware of the relevance of ensuring conditions for, for the fintech companies to go into the market and, as you say, uh, uh, shake up traditional uh, banking and offer new uh, uh, services and alternatives for consumers. But in a sense, the UK started the job earlier than most European countries with the open banking initiative being part of the retail banking uh, remedies. How do you assess the achievements of the open banking efforts in terms of competition in the financial sector? So to be honest, it's a bit early to tell. Um, to give you an idea of the timetable, um, we published our report in banking in the summer of 2016. This then started the remedies process. And the first stage of data release under open banking took place last summer. This concerned uh, information on banking products, prices and services. The second stage started rolling out this January to coincide with the implementation of PSD2. So it is very early days. Um, and uh, in fact, um, I understand that the first app to use the open APIs just went live this month. What I can say is that we don't expect that change will happen overnight. Um, it will take time for customers to trust uh, these uh, new um, applications with their data. It will also take time for customers to understand the benefits that these new apps can bring. And um, hopefully there should be a virtuous circle between kind of understanding the benefits and trusting. So the more people see the benefits from these and the more they'll be willing to share their data. But what I can tell you maybe a little bit is, um, I suppose, how, what kind of benefits we expect from the open banking. So um, I think we see two main benefits. The first benefit is um, to allow customers and SMEs to compare banks and switch banks. So at the moment, um, if I wanted to change my bank account, It's quite complicated, actually, because the price I pay for my bank account depends on how I use my bank account. It depends on how often I go abroad and use my card abroad. It depends how often I go on overdraft. It also depends on the credit balances I keep on my account. With the open APIs, I will be able to give consent to a price comparison website, for instance, to access my data on transactions directly from my bank. The price comparison website can then 
return a personalized quote or a range of quotes for different banks. It can also give me uh, sorry, information on the service levels of these different banks and potentially could also combine this with a um, uh, facility for switching using the automated uh, switching service. So potentially with the open APIs, I should be able to switch banks within a matter of, few, of a few clicks on the internet. But the bigger potential benefit from open banking is that it might allow unbundling of banking services. So at the moment, a bank account is a bundle of services. It's a, a storage facility, it's a payment facility, it's also a credit facility. With open banking, fintechs will be able to compete on specific um, aspects of the banking services which are the more profitable. So I'll give one example, for instance, which could be a money management app. So this app will access information on my different bank accounts, for instance, my saving accounts, my current accounts, and regroup these into one screen. Um, it can then uh, set up automatic transfers, for instance, whenever my bank, my current account is getting low, transfer savings so that I over avoid overdraft charges. Um, but it could also connect me with a cheaper lender so that when I do need to go into overdraft, do need these credit facilities, I can benefit from these at a lower price. So this is really potentially very transformative and um, could really shake up traditional banking as we know it. Certainly, uh, many gains for consumers and the idea is, is to put competition where uh, higher margins are and, and to allow for, for alternative cheaper products. Um, and these are all gains that are very appealing uh, for a competition authority to see, to develop uh, in a market that has been um, in a, a very stable environ environment for quite a, quite a long time. But that implies that we need to have the right conditions for fintechs uh, to go into the market and, and shake uh, um, what is the current system that is a, a big involvement with the client, with the bank, on a number of products, uh, as you were saying. Uh, to that respect, Portugal uh, um, uh, did not have the same experience in the, as the UK. The UK basically anticipated the coming into force of the, the PSD2 and prepared for that moment. In Portugal, the PSD2 was uh, still not transposed to, to, to national uh, law. So, uh, And we think that it's quite important that this happens and uh, uh, timing to the market is important. So, so delays here can have an impact. Uh, but not only this issue uh, is something that is raising awareness to the competition authority, but also the fact uh, that uh, there might be obstacles uh, for fintechs to, to go into the market. And one of the key issues here is access to banking information, uh, uh, which is actually of, of the consumers, not of the banks. Uh, uh, what can you... Uh, share with us in terms of what do you think are the main obstacles for fintechs to go into the market and what do you think can be made to overcome those those challenges? So I'm not really not a technology expert, so um, I'm sure there's many ways in which banks can find um, loopholes in technology to make it difficult. What I can tell you is um, one example of our experience in the UK, um, which is uh, the My Data initiative. So the My Data initiative was a kind of precursor to open banking, under which banks were required 
to uh, allow customers access to their transactions data. I'd never heard about it until I worked on banking, I have to confess. But uh, when I did work on banking and heard about it, I thought, well, that's great. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to go onto my uh, bank's website, log in, find my data file, and then uh, switch banks. It took me a good 20 minutes to find the my data file on uh, my bank's uh, internet. Um, and that's because I knew what I was looking for. In the end, I think I had to put my data in the search term. I then had to click on it. It came with a CSV Excel file that I then had to download onto a price comparison website. To be honest, by that time I'd lost interest and I thought I'd had better things to do with my time. What this illustrates to me is that, you know, it's not really in a bank's, in in a bank's interest to share the data on its own customers with its potential competitors. So if there's a way in which you can avoid to do so, it will find a loophole. In terms of lessons learned, I mean, it's hard for me to give you advice, but I suppose the only thing I'd say is, is that it needs to be carefully implemented and supervised. Well, indeed so. And, and this podcast was very illustrative how, of how important it is for competition authorities to be following and intervening in financial uh, markets, like in any others, to ensure that competition works uh, in the interest of consumers. Thank you, Julie, for this great uh, uh, chat and, and for all the views that you shared with us. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>